folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show, and usually I'm broadcasting from the land of Israel, but actually I'm in the United States of America right now, speaking and doing Hasbara and strengthening the relationship between the Jewish community of Hebron, which is really the root of the state of Israel, of the land of Israel, and our brothers and sisters in the diaspora and lovers of Israel everywhere. So this week's show uh, is actually a compilation of two recent interviews that I've done that I didn't release till now. They are very, very interesting. The first one is with Nadia Matar, and Nadia Matar is the co-chairwoman of Women in Green, and she's got a brand new and very important journal, a policy journal called uh, Sovereignty or Ribonut in Hebrew. We're going to speak with Nadia Matar in just a second. And after that, we're going to speak with Rabbi Daniel Karabkin, who is the spiritual leader of the Bayit Synagogue, which is having their annual uh, support mission to the state of Israel, to the land of Israel. And they really go to, to the, all the important sites. And both of these are, are really, both of these interviews uh, show the path forward uh, for how the Jewish people have to stay connected, not only connected with one another, but also connected with our heritage and connected with our land. So without further ado, here's my discussion with Nadia Matar. Nadia Matar is the co-chairwoman of Women in Green, uh, which is an organization that has been fighting for a long time for Jewish rights in Judea and Samaria. But there's been a, a kind of a change and a twist uh, to this fight for Jewish rights. It's gotten a lot bigger with the call for Jewish sovereignty uh, in Judea and Samaria, an alternative to the two-state solution, which is a holistic alternative. And though these uh, words sound good, a lot of times when people say to you, well, it's not practical, it's not happening on the ground. Nadia, uh, you have recently started a new paper, a new newspaper, a new uh, political newspaper. Let's call it a kind of a journal uh, a, called, it's got one word, it's called Sovereignty, in Hebrew, Ribonut. And it's really about the application of Israeli law to Judea and Samaria, and, and in other words, overturning the two-state solution idea, the Oslo process, somehow reversing it, and you live in parts of the land that are that are still not under Israeli full Israeli sovereignty, but are under this kind of quasi-military control. It's to the south, uh, Hebron, Hebron Mountains, the Hebron Hills, and the city of Hebron, Kiryat Arba. These are places that are really surrounded by the Palestinian Authority, uh, controlled by terror organizations, uh, over, overwhelming vote for Hamas in the, in the communities, the people that live there, the Arabs that live there. And so we have a very different situation on the ground from the one that you're advocating in your new newspaper, which is being sent out through the Jerusalem Post and also Makori Shon. It's in English and it's in Hebrew. And it's, it's sending a, a beacon of an idea that is very much not what's seen yet on the ground. So first thing I wanted to, you to tell me about the Sovereignty newspaper. How did that idea come about and what is its effect? Uh, Ishai, uh, uh, first of all, uh, good luck with your new radio show. Secondly, uh, with your new job also. Uh, represent the sp spokesperson for Hebron, uh, the, the city, uh, uh, the twin city of Jerusalem, uh, capital uh, uh, of, the, uh, of Judea. Um, as you know, Women in Green was founded in 1993. We fought against the Oslo Agreement saying that the land of Israel belongs to the people of Israel till 2005 with demonstrations. We were holding signs, screaming, shouting, etc. In 2005, after Gush Katif, after the expulsion from Gush Katif, I had the privilege of meeting Judith Katzover, uh, one of the uh, uh, women who founded Hebron with, with many others, Rabbi Levinger, etc. 
and uh, we started thinking that uh, we should change track, we should now uh, uh, fight for uh, Judea and Samaria because of course we knew that after Gush Katif, Judea and Samaria would be next on the chopping table, God forbid. And we started having different campaigns all over Judea and Samaria, in Judea and especially in Gush Etzion, where Arabs were trying to take over a hill, we were going there, which, which we safeguarded and redeemed that area, and we, we succeeded. But we said at a certain point, and that is how we succeeded in safeguarding the Shtema army base and Netzer and here and there another hill, and we could be uh, uh, very proud of that, but we said to ourselves, that's not how we're going to save all of Judea and Samaria. We're not going to have battles for years on one little hill, and meanwhile the Arabs take over all around us. We need to get to the core of the problem. What is the core of the problem? How come we are in a situation where we, we grandmothers, mothers, she's, a, she, she's the head of a, uh, of a school, and uh, why are we supposed to even deal with this? And we came, after a lot of thinking, to the very clear understanding that the core of the problem is that when we won the war in 1967, the government of Israel was so shocked by its victory and by having received into its hands Judea and Samaria, the Golan and uh, Jerusalem, etc., instead of doing what they should have done on that day of the victory, the application of Israeli sovereignty over all the area, they decided to put it under military rule. I, don't, I think that many people don't even know that Judea and Samaria is not the same status as Tel Aviv, etc., and for years, till now, 2015, Judea, Samaria, is not under Israeli sovereignty. And uh, 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 we came to the realization that all the trouble we have is because there is no Israeli sovereignty. And we started saying, in addition to the local little battles that we have here and there, which are very important and we have to continue them, we have to get to the national, a national uh, a, a vision to, for 20 years since Oslo, they've been pushing us towards, it's like a ship, sailing in one direction, caving in to the Arabs, creating a Palestinian state, giving them our, heart, our God-given biblical homeland. And, and, and we, on the other hand, the national camp, were busy saying no, no to a Palestinian state, no to caving in, don't give them weapons. But what is our yes? What are we, the national camp, saying yes to? What do we want? What is our vision? We, you cannot only say no, you have to say yes. And that is when, and, and all the credit goes to Judith Katzover, who said that we, women in green, have to now be the, with the flag of Ribonut, of course not taking away credit from many other individuals who have been calling for uh, uh, the application of sovereignty already before, journalists like uh, uh, Uriel Itzur of Blessed Memory, and Caroline Glick, and Martin Sherman, and uh, uh, Mike Weiss. Those were people who were writing about it and calling for it. We took it upon ourselves as a campaign, and we started, we took what they were writing already, and Kolakovod, and they continued to, we took it and we said now we have to push forward the vision, sovereignty. We started with uh, conferences, then we had uh, 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 more and more conferences. We had a big conference in January 2014, 1,200 people said, okay, that's nice, but that's not enough. How do we get to the masses? And that's how we said we need a newspaper. And we come out meanwhile because of the very heavy expenses, three a year. We already have six uh, this number six just came out. We get a tremendous uh, amount of uh, positive feedback. Uh, we give in our newspaper, in our journal, uh, voice to the different ways of implementing sovereignty. Not everybody in the sovereignty camp agrees uh, uh, with how it has to be done. Some call for sovereignty immediately on all of Judea and Samaria. Others say that it has to be gradually. Others say that uh, uh, with the main question, which I'm sure you're going to ask me, so I'm going to advance you, what is going to be with the Arabs? And there are four different uh, 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 ways of dealing with it. Uh, we can discuss it or we don't have to discuss it now, but the one thing is for sure. The two-state solution is dead. We have to come with 
television of the national camp. With 20 years of delay, I think, now the word is sovereignty and the proof is here. We are meeting here at this demonstration of Gush Etzion, Kirat Arba and Southern Hevon Hills in front of the Prime Minister's res uh, offices. Most of the speakers spoke about sovereignty and the call for sovereignty. When people ask, what shall we tell the Prime Minister to do? So yes, we have to close the roads to Arabs. Those are tactical, local things. We have to uh, have more, uh, we have to uh, gather their weapons. But what is the goal? What is the goal? The goal is to crush once and for all the dream of the Arabs to, uh, for the creation of a Palestinian state. How do you do that? By, by applying sovereignty over Judea and Samaria and telling the world this is ours forever. Some people call for the uh, uh, building of new Yishuvim. It's very important, but we saw in Gush Katif. So you build another neighborhood in the Vid Kalim. It's all gone. Now we, in addition, we have to go up one step to go la lot mala to sovereignty. So uh, Israelis are right now asking themselves, is the two-state solution plausible? One of the big strikes against that was really the Gaza experiment where uh, people like yourself fought valiantly against uh, the Gaza evacuation, and it happened anyway. But the average Israeli thought maybe this is not such a bad idea, and here's the penultimate experiment. We're just going to give them a chunk of land, and we'll surely have peace. And instead we've had um, six conflicts uh, in, uh, in so many years. And so uh, the average Israeli is really asking himself, does land for peace, which equals two-state solution, which equals Oslo. All these things are really synonymous. Does it really work? They're looking for an alternative. Yet, the media, the political echelon, uh, a lot of people that make a lot of money from the two-state solution, even government wings, wings of uh, the military, that make a tremendous amount of money and profit and, and other you know, personal stake in the two-state solution, continue to hold on. Places like Hebron are not allowed to build. Jewish property is not allowed to be developed. And even the prime minister himself recently told a liberal Jewish group that he was proud of the fact that he did not really grow the settlements, quote-unquote, too much. So we're having an ideological battle here right now where, where the Oslo dream, and I remember when it was a dream that made sense to a lot of people, has really, it's a decayed dream. It doesn't look good. Nobody really buys it, and those that do sound a little foolish and oafish. But the new dream hasn't yet kind of entered the mainstream. How is your newspaper and your efforts going to enter the mainstream, even at this rally right now? You must admit, this is a certain breed of people that have already bought into the ideology. But you haven't seen here the, the, the Tel Avivian, or even the Jerusalemite, and not even so many people even in Gush Etzion, buying yet into the sovereignty vision. As I told you, when you have a ship that has been sailing for 20 years in one direction, a huge, huge, huge ship... Uh, you cannot within a week or a few days or even a few months right away uh, 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 turn it around to a di the other direction. You have to be very careful. You have to do it slowly. You have to. Uh, we're talking here really about the battles of of, uh, of ideas. Uh, unfortunately, as I told you, uh, while the left was busy. Uh, 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 brainwashing uh, uh, the, uh, Israel and the world with this two-state solution, little by little. You remember Yishai, 25 years ago, wh who spoke about this two-state solution? He would be. It was illegal, and it was. And 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 he and people laughed at him, but they didn't give up. They continued with their what we call, of course, we call their venom with their poison, and continued. Had a lot of money, and 
pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. Now, Lahavdil, as we say, not to compare ourselves to, to them, but to compare the ways of doing it, is by now putting all our efforts and all our energy, and yes, a lot of money also. It is in the national camp, uh, 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 there's a lot of people who are willing to give for a Sefer Torah, for a Torah scroll, and for an ambulance, and for things, but maybe less are, are less aware that we also need to give for a Hasbara campaign. Uh, and the left has understood that. It is newspapers. If we could f spread the newspaper, not a in 150,000 copies, that's what we do now, but in a million and a half or two million copies, imagine if we could do it not every three months because it, it takes us so long to raise the funds uh, uh, each between each newspaper. If we could do every week such a newspaper, imagine how, what, what it would be. If we could see all over, signs all over the country, now we need sovereignty. If we could have explanation, if we could have video clips on Facebook. I mean, I, t I can tell you now exactly what needs to be done, but I'll get back to the bottom line. The left is funded by... A, a lot of countries by a lot of organizations and we on the right need to be funded likewise and believe me the revolution will be around the corner Nadia Matar is the co-chairwoman of Women in Green putting out the new uh, Sovereignty magazine and it's also on the internet what is the website? Well, now it's a page. Again, uh, it's, we're working on a very professional uh, uh, internet website. But meanwhile, it's on www.ribonut.co.il. There you can read our latest one. Or on our Women in Green website, which also will, please God, be uh, uh, updated, uh, womenandgreen.org. Nadia Matar, thank you so much. Thank you, and atzlacha to all of us. And let's remember, we're strong. Am Israel is strong. And we are in the right direction, sovereignty. All right, folks, I do hope you enjoyed my talk with Nadia Matar. Uh, check out uh, her uh, new magazine, new policy magazine called Ribanut, Sovereignty. Very important uh, for the movement forward, uh, away from two-state and to a new vision. Now let's shift gears and speak with Rabbi Daniel Korobkin and members of the Bayit Synagogue, one of the world's largest Orthodox synagogues. It's in Thornhill, Toronto, and they're here on a mission to strengthen the land of Israel and to get strengthened themselves. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show. I'm at the beautiful King Solomon Hotel here in Jerusalem. Uh, around me, there are a few couples uh, meeting for the first time uh, <laughs> in uh, what they call Shidduch dates. Uh, and I'm on a date with Rabbi Daniel Korabkin who is the rabbi and spiritual leader of Beit Avraham Yosef Congregation. That's really known as the Bayit. The Bayit is one of the biggest Orthodox synagogues in the world, uh, and it's found in Thornhill, Toronto. Notice I didn't say Toronto, because I know to say Toronto, because I've been there. In fact, I got a chance to, uh, to speak at the Bayit one time, which was an awesome and, and great honor. And Rabbi Daniel Krapkin, you're in town right now. Uh, on the famous Bayit mission, the yearly... The annual, annual Bayit mission. But one okay. second, Yishai, is this a shidduch date? You haven't bought me a drink yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling that I'm a pretty cheap date so far. Well, I, I, think, uh, I, th I think it's, you know, it's a little further along than that. I, I know you're for already for a long time. Okay, so we're, so we're an old couple. We can start quarreling then. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi, uh, you're on uh, uh, this mission, and the reason I call it famous is because it's kind of really w well known, this Bayit mission. Bayit is a very powerful synagogue, uh, Beit Knesset. And uh, you go around to, to some of the places in Israel. You go to be inspired, but you also go to give strength. Tell me a little bit about the tour so far, uh, what you've seen, and uh, what you've been inspired by. Well, what, what I think is fascinating for me is that every single year we do something different. 
and we try to mix it up as much as possible. We try to do chesed in different places. So, for example, this year we went to Yad Eliezer where they pack food for the poor, and we packed with, uh, with the staff at Yad Eliezer. But we also went to a museum for the blind in Tel Aviv. Uh, it's called Nalin Goa, where you go to the restaurant and they feed you a meal totally in the dark. So you get a way to experience what it is to be blind. Rahman How was that? Unbelievable. Well, you, I ended up eating a, a lot more with my fingers than I had originally planned. But it's a little bit scary, a little bit disorienting. But it's very sobering when you leave and you realize what, it, what is required of a person who has this disability. And then right afterwards, we went to a, um, a theater production which was exclusively performed by people who were either blind or deaf or both. And the tremendous courage that these people displayed to be able to get up there, to uh, express themselves in whatever way they possibly could, but to get across a message of what it means to be disabled and to find some sense of redemption and worth despite one's disability and perhaps even because of it, a sense of being able to overcome those disadvantages that uh, they've been born with. Most people don't think of Israel as a place where you're going to go see uh, the Museum for the Blind. People just, uh, that's not the kind of experience they expect. They expect Middle East stuff. They expect Hummus. Uh, they expect the Dead Sea. They expect Jerusalem or, or a lot, but they don't usually think about uh, the Museum of the Blind. Right. No, that's true. But by the way, now that I have them here, let me also say that uh, in the lobby with us are Marcy Rosenzweig and Moish Posner, and they are the masterminds of our uh, of our mission this year. So if you don't mind, come over here for a second, Marcy and Moish. Say hi. You're on uh, special, the Yushai Fleischer Show, <laughs> a very special program listened to by millions of Jews throughout the world. Trillions, say, really. Trillions, actually. Yes, say hi. Hi. This is Marcy. Marcy, thank you so much for doing a great work and 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 preparing this trip. It's not an easy thing to prepare a trip for distance, and and it's not easy. And and I just want to ask you about getting people on the trip. You know, people are watching the news, and their neighbors may say you're crazy for going to Israel, right? H- how did people react when you, when the when the annual trip was planned? Um, in the Bay community, people don't think we're crazy. I think people really would like to come. I think finances and, and your job and the time of time of year, that's what gets in the way. But um, I have to say that nobody stopped, you know, turned around and said, I'm not coming. And nobody said that, um, that they were afraid to come. So that isn't an issue that we, we find at the Bay. As, as a matter of fact, I think we have more people this year than we had last year Dafka because people feel the sense of responsibility of Imo Anochi Bitsara. We all want to be here, especially now at a time. Our community is extremely Zionistic. We have a, a hugely high rate of Aliyah from our community because it's something that people feel in their bones, that we all feel a kinship with Medinat Israel, with Eretz Israel, and with Achenu Bnei Israel that are here. And here's Moish Posner. Moish? Just to comment on what Marcy just said. I, I, you know, people feel safer here than, you know, than anywhere else. The Jews feel the safest here. And it has never been an issue for us in all these, you know, 14 years that we have uh, have put together this um, this TO and this mission from our shul. Uh, it's, it's never been an issue. We go everywhere and we feel safe. And it's wonderful. Now, me and Moy share a, a certain historical past. And that is that uh, my grandfather is from the town of, of Ostrovitz or Ostrovca. And um, 
what's famous about that town is that it was a Jewish, you know, there's a big Jewish community there. My great my great grandparents were actually the bread and matzah bakers of that town, or part of it. Wow. Anyway. And what's famous there is that there was a righteous man who lived there, a Hasidic master, Mary Yechiel from Ostrovtsa. One of the things that he was famous for is that he was very weak due to the fact that he had been fasting for some 40 years. Uh, he was told that he had foreseen the Holocaust coming, and he basically wanted to atone for this thing that was coming, this, this horrible uh, 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 you know, nightmare for the Jewish people. But there was one night where a pogrom was coming to Ostrovtsa, and the story goes that basically uh, what he did was that he got out of his bed. He used to be in bed under a lot of blankets because he was so weak. And he took a fork or a little, tiny little, like, you know, a little shovel. And he, and he turned on the, kind of the light outside of his house. And he just stood there waiting for the pogrom. And when the other Jewish townspeople saw the rabbi stood out there waiting to, to fight, they all stood outside of their doors with the lights on and, and uh, holding some, some ability to fight, some tool of war. And uh, when the pogrom came, they saw, the mob came, they saw the Jews prepared to fight. They just turned around and left. Mm. And uh, I think that that's uh, a shtickle Zionism. You know, uh, which, which uh, you know, Zionism is not just the return to the land. It's also the return to the strong Jew. Right. Uh, the return to the ability to, to, to defend themselves, defend oneself. And uh, the Ostrava community, Ostrava community, continued to perpetuate itself after the war and help people like my parents who came to Israel and couldn't even afford a fridge. And it was Yotzei Ostrov that uh, helped uh, make make their, uh, their their time in Israel possible. I just wanted to say that, um, just to comment on that, the Ostrov Sarov was one of the few, was one of the few gedolim who was very pro-Israel and encouraged people in Europe that they should make Aliyah. Well, thank you very much, the both of you, for the great work that you do to bring Jewish people connected to Israel. And and I think that um, I'm I'm very touched by the fact that the bike comes every year. And I think that it uh, it really does show that that there's a bond, like you said, a kind of I would call it almost a, a an organic bond. That when when it's hurting in Israel, those cells are coming in from different parts of the Jewish world, and and coming platelets coming to to cover that wound that's happening. Oh, absolutely. In we and we one of the feelings that we universally had in this trip, and I have to tell you, I think we all felt it. Seeing such heroic figures in every community that we went to, we feel so humbled and inadequate living in our very, very comfortable diaspora community and our very suburban, sleepy community of Thornhill, which is beautiful. It's a Kehila Kedosha, and it's amazing. But it's humbling to see how people here are taking up a cause that is so much bigger than themselves, um, whether it be uh, to fight for Gush Katif, um, like we saw with Anita Tucker, or whether it's to be able to assert our rights to the different areas of uh, Gush Etzion, which is what we saw with Nadja Matar and this whole concept of Rabanut. Ribonut. Ribonut, sorry. If you, if you, if you, say, if you say women and Rabanut, that's, oh, oh, a, whole sorry. Separate, Whoa, that's a whole separate... Whoops, uh, scratch that. Ribonut, yes. I think you may have to edit that out, or otherwise <laughs> I may end up getting into serious trouble. Um, and... Um, and we're talking about sovereignty. Ribonut right. is, uh, is uh, Jewish sovereign, uh, sovereignty or the assertion of Israeli law uh, over part Judea and Samaria, over the quote-unquote West Bank. Najim Matar is leading. Uh, and in fact, on this program, uh, Najim Matar spoke about uh, her, uh, uh, her new magazine called Ribonut, right. uh, which is the Sovereignty Magazine, which is uh, now in its sixth edition, uh, sixth uh, printing, sixth uh, volume in any case. And it is... Uh, it, it, it is pushing a new idea forward. 
And not only did we meet with Anita Tucker, who was very much involved with the Netzer Chazani community um, after the uh, expulsion from, from Gush Katif, but we also went to the Gush Katif Center, and lo and behold, we find another woman hero of the Jewish people today, the member of Knesset, Shuli Mualim, who uh, had gone up several months ago to the Temple Mount and asserted, wants to assert the rights. She's a member of Knesset from Bayit Yehudi. And, and, and she moved her office for a time to the Gush Etzion Junction, and she set up her Knesset office on a table outside at the Gush Etzion Junction. I saw her there doing Knesset business right at, like, like, like next to where the cars are just to show that, that she's not, we're not afraid and, and she led by, by not being afraid. And then today we meet with another heroic woman, Vered Ben Saadon, who runs a winery um, in, uh, in, Har- in, in Rechelim, which is in the Shomron, and who insists on making sure that the bottles of wine that she is exporting say that it's made in the land of Israel, contrary to whatever instructions she may be getting from certain government officials, and really, really struggling and fighting to make sure that um, what we produce in Yudan Shomron should get out there. And really, I mean, just again, I, throughout this trip, what I was thinking to myself was, Bishut nashim tzidkaniyot nigalu avoteinu mimitzrayim. In the merit of righteous women, our ancestors were redeemed from Egypt. The tremendous emuna that we have seen from very, very um, strong-spirited, but at the same time humble women, modest women, I should say. They're not out there to make a name for themselves, but they're out there to save the Jewish people and to live for something that's larger than themselves. It is such a source of admiration, of inspiration. And again, like I said, it's very humbling for all of us, and which is why we want to do more. We want to keep coming back. We want to be a part of whatever these very, very special people are doing. Moshe, had another comment? Well, yeah, just one closing comment. Um, with everyone's permission, Yishai, you were on part of our teal five years ago. We broke our fast in your home. I would like to put it on for the itinerary for next year that you should be part of it for next year because it's been too long. Sure, I, I, would, I would love it. Amen. Uh, the Mount of Olives is calling to you. And, and Moshe, I don't know if you know, but now I work for the town of Hebron, for the Jewish community of Hebron. And um, that's, uh, you know, I got married there and it's, it's part of the passion uh, to, um, to fight the effort to uproot the Jewish people from the land of Israel, which really is focused on Hebron, the root. Uh, of the Jewish story, the Jewish narrative, the, the source of our peoplehood. Rabbi Daniel Karabkin, I want to thank you so much uh, for uh, coming here. Uh, surely you talk about the, the heroics that you've seen uh, here in Israel, and there is that, that's for sure. Uh, but I think that it's... And you're also a heroic figure, Yishai. Don't look, I mean, look it. at you. I mean, yeah. you're a man who lives in East Jerusalem, travels to Hebron every day, and does it with tremendous emuna and joy and a sense of, uh, of pride that you can wake up and look at the Temple Mount and then go to look at the Marat HaMachbela every single day. You're inspiring. You uh, inspire us. You know, I, I got to tell you that there's, it's, just, it's so much bigger than us. You look at the Temple Mount, you shrink, you, you see God's presence in this world, and you, then you, you go to Hebron, you, you see the founders of our, of, our, of our peoplehood and really the founders of modern, uh, not modern, of, of ancient monotheistic civilization, the, the founders of modern of Western morality, Eastern morality, the, the, the people that founded humanity as we understand it. That's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Adam and Eve. 
So it's it's really an honor. But I think that what really we are really talking about is the connection of the Jewish people across a big ocean. We have been dispersed, and we are hanging tight. Uh, and and many many efforts want to uh, separate us to keep us apart, and we will not let them. When the Bide comes over here on the mission. Uh, it strengthens Israel, and uh, certainly the, the members of the Bay get strengthened. And I want to thank you, wish a big Yashikoach, and, and to Marcy, uh, and to Moish, and, and to yourself for all the good work that you're doing. Thank you, Yishai. It's always a pleasure. Hatzlecha, Rabbi. All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show. That was uh, Rabbi Daniel Karabkin and uh, members of the Bayit Synagogue. And I hope you enjoyed that. I think it's very important that we continue to have that kind of connection. In fact, this show is all about that kind of connection, the connection between Israel and our diaspora and lovers of Israel throughout the world. You've got to be part of the story. I also want to thank all the folks that are supporting the show and helping us out. Uh, it makes a tremendous amount of difference for, for the show. I want to especially mention Andrew Wells, a good friend of mine, who's helping the show happen. Also, my sister, Rachel Fleischer. Uh, actually, uh, now she's Rachel Vinnick, Mazal Tov. Uh, and Mazalto for the new baby as well. That's my uh, awesome sister and her great husband, Daniel. Uh, and all the people like the Michel family as well and my friend Sarah, all those that make this show possible. Thank you so much. And if you want to help make this show happen, uh, please uh, join us at com. Go to the support page and it makes all the difference in the world so that we can keep broadcasting the message of a strong Israel, of a true Israel, of a leadership Israel, of a godly Israel, of a light to the world. Have a great week. Shabbat Shalom. God bless you and be successful in all that you do. May God be with you.